1: It's the last stand podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right, it is the last stand. I'm Brian Custer. We bring you the biggest names in the sport. And I tell you what, our guest today, it gets no bigger. He is one of the all-time greats. In fact, he won world titles in four different weight divisions. He's the first man to start his career. 154 pounds and then go on to win a world title at heavyweight the only man to do that he's none other than roy jones jr champ it's been a while how you doing welcome to the last stand
0: i'm doing my brother i'm doing good my brother how you doing
1: fantastic great to have you on and listen i'm really excited about the state of boxing right now especially this summer. We got a lot of big matchups coming. Uh, We just saw an undisputed fighter be crowned and Josh Taylor. What do you think about the state of boxing in the sport right now?
0: I love the state of boxing. People get confused. They start taking things too personal, but I love the state of boxing. It's just that like, I I keep getting uh, accused of not liking Earl Spence. I really like Earl Spence. I think Earl Spence is a great talent and a great fighter. And it's just like when you get two fighters to rise to the top, you get an east and a west. You want to see who's best. And uh, all the problem I got is that I think he's the other top welterweight uh, next to Terrence Crawford, who has probably proven himself a lot more than Errol has. So it's like I don't like see the big dogs fight. And I'm not saying that I, I give Errol the advantage because I've seen Terrence more. So I thought Terrence probably has a little bit more experience. But that don't mean that Terrence will beat her. I mean, he does have the experience factor going in i'm like every brother, boxing fan when one gets hot over here and one gets hot over here we want to see who's the best and that's what boxing has lost nowadays so what josh taylor did that was re- that was really good for boxing because that's all we're trying to find out who's the best why they talking about hating and who? Ha- i don't hate nobody i don't really have time to hate them but i love the sport too much to hate people what i do is i'm such a, a well-rounded person is that to that to the point that phil Mixon won was the oldest person to win a uh, pga thing last weekend for his golf ball, I'm not even a follower of golf. But since he did that, you know what I did, right? That little fight back, fire back at me. Said, "Well, wait a minute, man. If Phil can do that, then why you can't go ahead and get that Kuzma title that's been so lonely evading you that you can't really seem to get to?" But uh, Phil just gave you hope. Look what Phil just did. Phil just became the oldest man to win a, a, a big major tournament on a tour like this. So it's like, yeah, the oldest person win a major tournament. So I'm like, wow, and I don't even watch golf that much. You feel me? So it's like, man, that really got me started. So as you know, I got right back in the gym yesterday with working out. Just just, for, just because he inspired me to work out, you know. But the state of boxing is in a good place. It's just that I don't like the fact that people always take what I say and turn that though I don't like somebody or always hate. It's not that at all, man. It's just that I'm from the old school. You know, people think, a lot of people think I hate the James. I don't hate LeBron James. I probably probably believe more in, about LeBron James than LeBron believes about himself. Because what I really believe is that had you stayed in Cleveland and persevered through those hard times, as good as you are, you were still going to get yours because you God gave you what it takes to be a cornerstone. You didn't have to go join with another cornerstone. You had enough to be your own cornerstone. When you left you're going to go draw another corner, cornerstone it's like you cheat the game almost. From the old school, new school, is not that way. So I understand it too. But old school, if we did that, we cheated the game. You feel me? So it's not that I don't like LeBron James. It's the way he did it was not what I was used to because I'm from a different era. So quite naturally, I get you no know, tossed back about that. But I think LeBron was one of the greatest specimens ever to the basketball court. But even in biblical times, you have to be able to persevere. If you can't persevere through tough times. That you're not really that person that god puts us here to be because god tells us that we must persevere god gave him so much that it was just a matter of time before he persevered Now i know he had a lot of other things off course issues too and but i can't really say i know about all that so those things probably played part of it too but i don't know it's just that was always just the i was used to the michael jordan era the michael jordan way the heart the. the, 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 the i heard dr j and Dominique on TV, and they said uh, the, the main thing about the old school was that we wanted to know who was the best. We couldn't put two best together and y'all go play the rest. No, 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 no. We want to know who the best. You get you in your squad. he get you in your squad. i get you in my squad. We're going to find out who's the best. And the way we find out that is about how we manipulate our squad as far as how we teach our guys to play together. We're the group. We become the person who puts that whole team together, who teaches everybody to pay their position the right way or to the best of their ability, who teaches them that we believe in them and that, that, that we depend on them at, time, at times, which is what a leader does, and eventually we'll persevere. And that's all it is. So it's not like I hate nobody. I don't really hate nobody. Um, I think
1: you broke some news here on the last stand. So are you telling me that Roy Jones Jr., forget about the exhibitions, he wants to come back, and be cruiserweight champion of the world and fight in professional fights again.
0: Yeah, Mixon has really inspired me. You know, I'm just thinking I ain't made it official yet. I am really going through that, but Phil really has me inspired. Like feel he really has me inspired. And when I get really inspired, you know, I start making phone calls. And the right phone calls get answered, right thing might happen, you know what I mean? So I ain't saying yet, but I'm really inspired.
1: Got it. Now, let's talk about you because, listen, we already talked about it at the top. You're one of the greats. You were voted, uh, obviously, fighter of the decade uh, in the 90s. In your opinion, what was Roy Jones Jr.'s best professional victory?
0: Very difficult to say, very hard to say, because there are so many victories that did so many things and that I was so multi-dimensional that I can go tell you why they did this at the best, what they did that at the best, why they did this the best. Well when you got so many things, who's to say we going to best perform because you got so many tools and so many weapons. That's the difference in me and most other fighters. Now there are a lot of other fighters, especially old school fighters, who could do that too, but not a lot of fighters can go in and use the necessary tools to solve the puzzle that particular life. You gotta remember, I don't have to blow my own horn. In my prime, I ain't not lose fights, I didn't lose rounds.
1: That's true. That's true. Because I was looking at, it, I'm like, is it James Tony? Is it uh, Ruiz? You know, w- was there one that you just said, Shh, yeah, that one was the one because that either that you know you look at the Tony that catapults you, uh, Ruiz yeah. that was uh, something that no one had ever done. So I was trying to figure out which one you would figure you would say would be the greatest win of your career.
0: And the reason I won't say is because. What you just described was, you described the opposition. I don't look at the opposition, I look at me. And even the night when I fought Clinton Woods, that was a bad ass me. When I beat Reggie Johnson, that was a bad ass me. Even when I beat Jeff Lacey, that was a bad ass me. So I don't look at the opposition so much as I do look at who I was that particular night. Now, the night I fought Montell Griffin on the second night, that was a different me that I only saw one time in my career. That dude was unique. That dude came to hurt. And I usually don't do that in my career because that's not what I box for. I box to entertain and to win, to give people something to look at. I don't box to hurt people. That night, I was out with hurt in my mind. And that was a dangerous dude there. So that's probably one of the most dangerous nights I've had in my career. Because if you would have told me that the hook I hit him with was going to tear his head off and kill him, I would say, well, that's on him. He should have kept his mouth shut. That's how bad I was that night. But i since gotten over that, and I tried never to revert back to that person because if I was the person to ever kill somebody in the boxing ring for real, I probably would never want to fight again. So it's mm-hmm. like, I try to revert from being that person because that's not my intent. It's just that i gotten robbed of a gold medal already. Then it gave him my title, gave me my first O, which I probably still wouldn't have, my only, took away my O, which probably never would have gotten taken away and had it not been for that night, they took it away on a disqualification. And it was really bad for me then when you, After that, the guy goes out and talks like he beat me. You won my title with your face in the mat. Really? Are you going to talk about that? So I was just at a place that I usually don't like to go in life. What made? Right. I got you. I got you.
1: What made Roy Jones Jr.
0: Great? Roy Jones Jr. Took probably six of the most outstanding guys in boxing that he watched along his time. And God blessed him to be able to see the gifts in each of those guys that made those guys special. So God also blessed me to realize that if you took those six guys and put all of those gifts in one fighter, you don't have to watch each one of these fighters to see what you see. You can see it all in this one guy. How could he not be great? Mm. And the fact Uh, of the matter is, people don't want to tell you the truth, but that's what they saw in me. They saw so many of the greats, the Ali, the Ray Robinson, the Samuel Sanchez, the Marvin Hagler, the Wilfred Benitez, the Willie Pip. They saw so much of the great people that they knew in boxing all combined in one. That's what made me different. People try to take away my credit now and say, oh, he had the best. Come on, bro. Who else they saw? Not even Mike Tyson had the Ali footwork, had the Ali talking. Nobody, nobody but nobody. Has ever come along and had so much. The Roberto Duran, Julio Chavez, to Chavez. You had a little bit of everybody in one person. You don't see that, bro. You don't see that. You can't say that about hardly no fighter. Pernell was good, but Pernell did lack like punching power. You feel me? we lack like nothing. Nothing. So it's hard to really say. And like I said, I don't like to argue because a lot of people are. I just have, I don't want to talk about it. In my prime. I didn't lose right off. So who else has ever turned pro as a junior middleweight and became heavyweight champion of the world? So, that's pound for pound to me. You go from right. junior middle to where nobody ever started and won a heavyweight title. That's pound, If that ain't pound for pound, what is it? Like, great point. Like, like my boy, hey, 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 like Juvenile say, if I am a hot boy, then what do you call
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you talked about... The, the six fighters, and you were basically all those rolled into one. Was there, because, you know, you talk to fighters today, and they say, hey, look, man, I looked at Roy Jones Jr., or I looked up to Floyd. Was there one guy that you, as a kid, that you looked up to that you said, man, I got I to gotta be something like this guy here?
0: Of course, Ali was that guy. But once I got further into boxing, I realized that there were other things other people did that Ali really didn't do. I said, well, to be different than him, I got to add all these other attributes. I can't just be another Muhammad Ali. Ali ain't big on throwing body shots. He ain't big on uppercuts. He ain't... A lot of different things he really wasn't big on. He wasn't big on slipping and rolling. He was outside dodging. He was slipping like that, but he wasn't really in there bobbing, weaving, none of that kind of stuff. So it was different things that Ali really didn't do that other guys that were great did. And what people don't understand is that, to me, Willie Pelt and Wilfred Benitez, were two of the most, two of the best defensive fighters that I ever seen. The long camp premier at work and he I, I had to add him to that list too. But those were three of the best defensive fighters I ever seen. They use their feet, they use their head movement, they use their shoulders, they use everything for defense. There's a lot to be learned there, but people don't understand it. But I do and I understood it. So I took those things that made them great too. It's even like there were certain things I took from guys who didn't have a lot, they only had one thing. And like, to me, I'm not saying that bad about it, but to me, people know Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, but Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, when he was Eddie Gregory, had the best left level shot in the history of boxing to me. Hmm. So you know, I had to take it, I have to take it. If Eddie Mustafa Muhammad hit you with left body shot, it was probably over. Interesting. Um, I was reading an article uh, about your
1: career and, and one guy who was quoted in it was Antonio Tarver. And he said, I was the kryptonite uh, of Roy Jones Jr. Was he?
0: they he wasn't the kryptonite. That 25-pound Lulu coming down from heavyweight was the kryptonite. Never was him. If it was, he'd have beat me that night. He didn't beat me the first night. Why? Because it was in my heart that I was not going to only win the heavyweight title, but I was going to do what I thought Bob Consummi did at the time. After I got rid of the heavyweight title, I was going to come back down and recapture the light heavyweight title. So if he was my kryptonite, that never would have happened. I would not be in the history books. Kryptonite stopped Superman from getting in the history books. Superman still in the history books. Was that really Kryptonite? No, it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Another guy who was
1: quoted in an article I was reading about you, Carl Frotch. I guess you guys have had a little uh, back and forth. He said, uh, quote, Roy Jones Jr. was totally shot to bits uh, when he lost to Joe Calzaghe in 2008 at the Garden. Uh, Shouldn't even have fought that fight. when you, when you look at uh, the, the, the tail end of your career, what do you think was the downfall for Roy Jones Jr.? Should you have uh, retired earlier? What do you think?
0: We lost all that weight. and realized your body didn't adjust to it well, you should have took a little time off. You should have took about a year or two off. Right I came back down from everywhere because my body was under too much pressure. It went through too many changes. And that shock hurt my body more than I thought it did. But I had such a big heart. That I still want to hit it hard enough and won that first fight against Toronto. But that was really that really was the end of my goal list. I wanted to win the heavyweight title and come back and recapture the light heavyweight title. Now, I did that. That's the end of my goals. What you got to understand about boxing is you cannot fight without a goal. At that time, I really wasn't even considering the cruiserweight title. I just hadn't thought about it. I always thought a cruiserweight title would never hold enough, wouldn't really hold enough must. I ain't know the division was going to still stick around. So I was it was one of the boring, most boring divisions in boxing for the longest time. So I already had wiped that out of my mind. I wish I would have set my goal on that too, because had I set my goal on that too, I would have won that before I stopped too. Because when my mind is set on something, I go get it. Um,
1: towards the end of your career, Roy, you got kryptonite, into
0: broadcasting, kryptonite, kryptonite or no kryptonite, I go get it. So if it was kryptonite, I couldn't get. <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> towards the end of your career, you uh you got into broadcasting as well. Uh with HBO Boxing. Uh were you Totally shocked when HBO went out of the boxing business.
0: No, well, I wasn't totally shocked. I kind of saw the decline coming.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um, now you also are training guys. Your trainer as well, uh, fighters like Chris Eubank Jr. Um, do you realistically see him in big fights like, let's say, Triple G or even uh, Jamal Charlo?
0: Yes, I do. I'm going to tell you why. He is so much like his father. It's unbelievable. This kid is one of the most explosive fighters on the planet. The problem I have with him and the other people I have in the, in the past is that he's too explosive. <laughs> so now if he can calm some of that explosiveness down and I teach him to do a little bit more boxing along the way, which he showed in his last fight, he could be something fun to watch because when he does turn it on, he turns it on. And you have to be able to really withstand some stuff to be able to weather that storm. So I know he can fight with anybody. As a matter of fact, we really want to punch to fight Canelo. And I know he's a little bit smaller, but because of his explosiveness, I'm not worried. I'm smaller than General Ruiz. But because of my explosiveness, it made up for it. So I know that Chris Eubank can really fight almost anybody wants because of his explosiveness. But we do have to teach him a little bit more about that downtime. But right now, we won't... We won't G, but we'll take another two because it's a great fight for us. And that explosiveness is what get, gave me the edge of my whole career. Being explosive, he's hot explosive. And he's with a guy who understands explosives.
1: Uh, you got this exhibition thing really started when you're seeing these uh, uh, great fighters now fighting again. You fought Tyson. You guys had like a million and a half pay-per-view buys. What was that like? What was it like now, now that it's over, and you can look back on it. What was it like being in the ring with Tyson?
0: It was the first thing I've probably experienced as far as fun goes. I never thought that he would be as fast as he still is. I knew he would be as powerful as he is because he's just powerful as he ever was. I knew power is the best thing to go in a fighter, But what shocked me was his defense. It's still very difficult to hit him if he don't want to be hit. And I got some of the most fast hands in boxing. So... If I have a problem hitting you, you better believe your heart hit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Triller is obviously now having some 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 issues. You know, putting some things together. Obviously, Mike and him and I him have a, a difficult. Was the experience with Triller a good one, or you know, Mike is as filed some legal things with from the financial standpoint. Did you make out okay with Triller? Or did you have some issues with him as well?
0: We both had issues with him. How can he have issues with him and I don't? We both had issues with him, and we still have issues with him. And it's things like like Ryan Kavanaugh called me, personally told me he wanted to do something extra because of the fact that the fight did so well. Did that ever happen? No. So it's all a bunch of talk, but nothing behind it. So it's like when people talking don't follow what they say they're gonna do, you lose confidence in me with me, because I don't trust you if I can't trust your word. A man is only good as his word. Right now, Ryan Kavanaugh's word is no good to me. Mm. so trilla i feel bad for him but you're not good because you didn't do what you promised i did my end. i held up my end of the bargain yep my right knee gave out the week before the fight i could have easily said you know what i'm not gonna fight because i can't get with a hurt the right knee and no nah, my, my team was like no let's go do it i said all right we're gonna tough it out let's do it we did it. so now you're gonna say well y'all did it. You, you know they told you you can't go, out and go for a a four-foot knockout was going to stop it. So, okay, so you got to do what you got to do, but I got to survive. might Mike Tyson. The body shots he hit me with, internet could have took me out. If he took me to the head, it would have been even more dangerous like that. So it's like, he threw shots that could have taken anybody out, including me, because those shots I was sore for three days. You know what I'm saying? So that wasn't yeah. an easy thing. But it's like, I understand, but, you know, if you say you're going to do something, just do that. That's all.
1: And from a financial standpoint, did you get did you get compensated? Fully like I for that fight? It,
0: but not fully. Like I got a but not fully. Mm, interesting. That's the problem. Wow. Yeah, that's the real problem. Uh,
1: you know, Floyd is doing this exhibition now with uh YouTuber Logan Paul. Uh his brother, Jake, has signed actually a deal with Showtime uh to do a couple of fights. What do you think about these YouTubers making big money uh in your profession?
0: Well, you know, you feel bad for some of the guys that don't get to make the big money like that, that spend their whole life in the, in this game like I did, and they don't get those opportunities. Uh, everybody don't get a chance to be a Roy Jones or Weather or whatever. But uh, at the same time, you can't knock a guy's hustle. So they're smart enough to use today's time, like I told you, times of change. You understand me? What LeBron did for today's time is okay. In my time, that really wasn't okay. But in today's time, that's okay because look what's happening. So this thing, what they're doing, in my time, that wasn't okay. But in today's time, they can make that kind of money, why would you tell them no? So today, it's okay. So you have to kind of live with it. You don't like it necessarily, but you got to live with it because it is what it is. Somebody likes it, they paying for it, so why? Why are you gonna sit around and hate it, you know? That's why I say you can't hate nobody. I mean, it's like, I don't hate them for what they do they can generate that kind of money, good. Hopefully some of these guys that hate them can get lucky and be their opponent, or then maybe they can make a little bit of money, you know what I mean? So I wouldn't hate on it, I would figure out how they do it, Try to figure out how I can go about doing something like that to get myself to that status so I can do it now. Because they show you a different way to do it, or try that different route. That different route, obviously it works.
1: Because you were so successful in the first one we saw, will Roy Jones Jr. fight in another exhibition and if you do it, who do you want to fight?
0: Well, I don't know if I'll fight another exhibition. I told you, Phil Mixon just changed my mind. So my mind's in a whole other place today. I mean, Pierre got me. got me hyped. Looking at some medicine counters, you know what I mean? Phil got me looking at my my title a little different today, you know. <laughs> so I don't know my my flex all of my the starting start to look look good today. you know what i mean so yeah maybe we up with a whole new attitude today you know so we we got to see your ass here if i want to do an exhibition he yeah, got me ready to go to walk <laughs> you heard me i
1: love it i love it uh roy let's talk about quickly some of these fights that are 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 coming up here this summer uh let's start with the one that is going to go down in july uh Deontay wilder uh tyson fury 3 what do you think is gonna happen there in the trilogy?
0: Well, it all depends on what Deontay Wilder does. If Deontay Wilder has made adjustments, then Deontay Wilder can win the fight. If he does not make adjustments, he won't win the fight. It's just that simple. Uh, so we can't really call it until we see what Deontay Wilder has done. I mean, the first fight, after the first fight, Tyson Fury made an adjustment. That adjustment proved to be too much for Deontay Wilder. So after the second fight, will Deontay Wilder make an adjustment? Or will it come to the same game plan? If he makes an adjustment, will that adjustment be successful? All of those are the questions we have to ask. But we don't see him training. We don't know what he's doing. So we can't make that assessment just off of what we know because we don't know enough. So I can't tell you who I think will win the fight right now. Right now, my mind my, my, would say you have to go with Tyson Fury because he won the last. But if, 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 if Wilder can make the right adjustments, Wilder hit so hard that he can change any, anybody's night in any given second. So if he makes the adjustments, then anything can happen. But uh, right now, you got to go period off top.
1: Uh, Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao are going to get it on uh, for supremacy, obviously, of the welterweight division uh, in August. What do you see happening there?
0: Well, what I see happening there is that if Errol can take Pacquiao's punch, Errol should win the fight easy because Pacquiao is not what Pacquiao used to be, of course. But Earl is a guy who's a pressure fighter, who's a great pressure fighter. And he gonna find out what you got. And you gonna find out if he can take what you got or not right away, because he coming right at you. And I like that about Earl. So Earl should go out there, figure out what, floor, well, I mean, what uh, Pacquiao has left. And if it's not enough to keep Earl off of him, then Pacquiao gonna have a very long night, because Earl starts coming. Once he starts doing the down here motion, it's over for you, because he a dog like that, you know? But at the same time, we gotta also see from the Rick how much he still can take because Pacquiao deal, does still pack a punch. So if Earl can take that punch, then Earl should not have no problems.
1: Uh, Tank Davis is moving up to 140. He's going to take on Mario Barrios. What do you think about that fight?
0: Um, Tank is very dangerous right now, very deadly right now, kind of on, a, on, a, on a up here and swing. So it's going to be very hard for anybody to beat Tank right now because of his confidence and because of his punching ability and his punch of power. Tank is a, just what he says, Tank. Tank is a tank. So when Tank comes, they better have (laughs) the (laughs) mirror. Um Jamel
1: Charlo. We talk about what's exciting for boxing, fighting Brian Castaño uh for the undisputed title at 154. Your thoughts on Charlo?
0: I like Charlo. I like both of the Charlo brothers. I think they're very good fighters. They're very good for the division. I like to see him get some big shots. And he's doing the right thing by trying to unify. Because once he unifies, either a champion the next weight up got to fight him, or a champion from weight below him got to fight him. If he unifies, I'm sure that, make, that makes it look a lot better to a welterweight looking to come up and wait. You understand me? Because now he unified that aerospace so that Terrence Crawford could come up and get all of them in one shot. So it becomes very appealing once he unifies.
1: This segment of the show is brought to you by Man Cave Health. It's a public charity that raises awareness nationwide for prostate cancer. Many of you know, I battled prostate cancer and it had it not been for me taking a PSA test, you know, the doctor told me I could have been dead uh, within a year. 30,000 men die every year from prostate cancer simply because they didn't know their number. They didn't get an annual check. And also, do you know one out of every four black men are diagnosed with prostate cancer? Roy Jones Jr., listen, you were a champ, you know, you always had to be in shape when you were fighting, but even now, how important is your health to you?
0: It's even more important now, because now I don't get the test normally like I would get when I'm fighting. It's important that I take it upon my own self to go out and do things and make sure I take care of myself on a daily basis, make sure I go get certain tests done when it's time. Uh, It's my job and my responsibility, my duty and my obligation to my family. And my fans to go out and stay healthy because I built a persona that was about being a healthy athlete who didn't smoke, who didn't drink, who took care of himself. So you can't let that persona die now. When they see me now, they must know that, hey, Russ still takes care of himself. Look at him, he's in the gym, he beat double in ball with guys sometimes. He does this, he does that. If he has knees, he still be kidding on the basketball court with the knees kind of shot. But, you know, it's all good. <laughs> and, and, and I love to hear that you get an annual check.
1: Uh, what do you think that we can do to make sure that men just like you're doing um, get an annual test and, and make sure they get a PSA test every year?
0: Well, I think it's really important to have like our communication. Communication is the main thing. And there are doctors who have friends and You know, everything is not about a dollar. Sometimes you got to do things that may not get you money, but it may get you something else. It may get you a blessing from God, which is much more important than any money you can get. So like at the pandemic, I never would have probably went in the ring with Mike Tyson at 51 years old because I just know that's a dangerous thing to do. But since it was an exhibition and people at the pandemic had nothing to do, I take that risk and sacrifice that gambling and go make myself get up every day and get in shape and do the best I can so I can give y'all something. Because right now with the pandemic, when the pandemic, was going on? We had nothing. So I sacrificed myself to give something. You understand me? And so we have to sacrifice some time to give a little so that it does a lot for the whole mankind, not just ourselves. So people that are doctors and that do these type checkups should have time to talk to people about it. And guess what? If you did 10 friends and one or two of them friends found out something that helped them and they spread that word to the rest of their friends, but do 10 friends spread it with 10 friends for a long as 100 friends who you know about this stuff now. Now they all can communicate and have somebody to talk to about it and about going and looking out for one another because a lot of times people always say, I have to do it by myself, but... It's not about that God gave us other people on this earth because we needed one another. God created a woman because man was not happy alone. You understand me? We always try to wipe that out. and forget about that, but that's what happened in the beginning of time, according to the books that we read and according to the Bible that most of us go by, like, well, a lot of us do. So it's like, if that's the case, you have to be, well, I try to say that without offending people because people are so sensitive nowadays to everything. Any Every little thing you say is offensive to somebody. And I already care what nobody does. It's not my business what everybody does. I'm just speaking from my point of view. I'm not trying to influence or convince nobody that they're wrong, they're right. I don't care what you do. As long as you know who God is, that's on you, what you do, you and God. I can't take you to heaven, and I can't condemn you from going, to, I can't condemn you to hell. So it's not my job to judge you, but I can give you my, if you ask me a question, I can tell you my output on that question, my inner yeah. feelings on that question. So I feel like we all start coming together and communicating with people. And like, those are the type of things that men should be able to together because Mick had a conversation together. And if that happened, now that gives us a better, you know, a, give it a whole worldwide range of people knowing and caring and being conscious with one another about what's going on in men's health. The mission for Man
1: Cave Health is to encourage all men to take just one hour out of the year to either get a physical and a PSA test. And with donations from people just like you, you can help other men who maybe don't have the resources to pay for a PSA test or a physical exam. All you've gotta do is go to the Man Cave Health website at mancavehealth.org and sign up for their free newsletter. It is a great resource and please make a donation because this public charity is trying to make sure that all men can get a physical and a PSA test. And all you've got to do to donate to this public charity is text the last stand to four, four, three, two, one. Roy, for uh, everyone who watches and listens to this podcast, we allow them to submit questions. we got a number of them for you. We'll get right to them here. Um, the first one here uh, comes from Twitter. Uh, it says, Roy, how do you think your career would have panned out if you used more of the fundamentals of boxing instead of the athleticism and the raw talent you had.
0: Um <laughs> same with Michael Jordan did. He pretty freaking awesome.
1: Right. Like um this next one from Twitter. It says, uh, you said Crawford had a better resume than Spence. Can you name uh, the fighters that Crawford has fought compared to Spence?
0: I, I don't care getting tired. I just know crawford been on top for a long, long time. Crawford defended his title against whoever they bought to Crawford for years and years. I spent years of commentating Crawford's fights over and over and over again. All those guys, I don't try to remember those guys, you know. I seen them fight all of it when they was up, but he fought number one contender. He fought other champions. He fought the whoever they brought to him. You understand? He came in, as an underdog against Brazen Prescott, and beat him off top. So he came in, and a fight he really wasn't supposed to be in, and won that. You understand me? Then another great guy, who was a pretty good fighter himself, Mike, uh, Mike Garcia tells you that he took told his own manager that uh, this guy, Terrence Crawford, is true. And everybody, now and me, somebody knows something about the dude. Well, the dude proved that, the dude been pound-for-pound A or for the last few years. So if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man and take the man off. That may have been there. I don't care who he beat be the dude, he'd been there. With Earl's Pence. all I was saying was that until he fought Sean Porter, he hadn't fought a real legitimate opponent in my eyes. just my eyes. When he fought Sean Porter, it proved that okay, he can get on stage. So now, go find out who the best. That's all, I'm just asking who gonna win. Like I said before, I don't know who gonna win the fight. Just cause, just cause I think chance has a better resume. Because Terry's been fighting for long. I've been seeing 10 on HBO fighting this one and fighting that one and fighting this one and fighting that one and beating all of them. Then, I mean, what am I supposed to pick?
1: Got it. Uh, this one from Zach on uh, social media. He says, how come you and B-Hop were never able to make the second fight uh, when both of you were in your primes?
0: Because B-Hop didn't want to fight me again in my prime. B-Hop wanted to wait till I got older till he felt like I lost a step. Then he took the fight again. You know what he was doing. he's
1: not not stupid. Mm, Interesting. Uh, This one also from Twitter. It says, Roy, your top three athletes slash rappers, including yourself, what are your top three athletes who are also rappers and include yourself?
0: I got to go probably – probably – Probably me then, from what I know, me, Dane, and probably what I know part of me thing, and a lot of people don't know this, but I don't know a lot of guys that rap that are athletes. But Marvin Bagley Third can rap. Trust really? me. Really? And Marvin Bagley Third can go. You hear me? So it's going to be a real a toss-up between him, Shaq, and um, I know me, Shaq, Dane, but Mark Beck right in there. So it's going to be tough to say. I think that's the top four that I know. Now, I already know a lot of guys that uh, are athletes that really the rap, but I know them four.
1: Um, all right. Roy Jones Jr. It's time for the last segment of this show. We call it The Last Stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Yep. All right, here we go. You were once, pound for pound, the best fighter in the world. In your opinion, who's the best pound for pound fighter in the world right now?
0: Toss-up between Terrence Crawford and Canelo Alvarez. Hmm,
1: okay. okay. Uh, who's on the Roy Jones Jr., Mount Rushmore of great fighters?
0: How many is on Mount Rushmore? Four of them. Uh, you got to put Muhammad Ali... Jim Robinson, Salvador Sanchez. And it's a lot more I could put, but I'll probably to put Roberto Duran. Oh, wow. How about that? The hands of
1: stone. Okay. Okay. Uh, is there any fighter out there right now who reminds you of yourself?
0: Uh it's a couple I see, it's a lot of fighters that see a lot of things in, but nobody that's totally like me, but I don't expect to be a total number of me, but I do see a lot of things. And a lot, a lot of guys that remind of things that I do. Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, and it's something that we kind of talked about at the beginning. Which one would you say uh, was the win you were most proud <clears throat> of? Was it beating James Tony? Was it beating John Ruiz?
0: The rematch against Montel Griffin.
1: Montel Griffin. Ah, oh, yeah. I got you. Okay. Okay. Uh, last but not least. Is Roy Jones Jr. better broadcaster, trainer, or promoter? Fighter. <laughs> oh yeah, that goes with that <laughs> question. <laughs> great answer there. Listen, I've been wanting to do this for a while, brother. I really appreciate you doing it. Um, it's a, uh, it's always great. It's always love when I see you, man. I just want to say thank you.
0: Thank you, but I can't believe my internet held up. This is hey, I crazy. Know.
1: Hey, <laughs> hey I look, that's, I'm with. I'm, I'm happy it did, and that's what we do here on the Last Stand. We bring you the biggest names in the sport, like Roy Jones Jr. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next week.